It's on its way. Um, so we've had two readings, and the first reading was from Hebrews, and the second reading, I need to put that on, don't I, because I haven't put it on, so I probably will wonder. Um, the second reading was from Genesis, and um, it's taken a long time to warm up, isn't it? Um, so the first reading is from Hebrews, and Hebrews chapter 11 is a list of people um, written by the author of Hebrews, and we don't know who that was, but it's a list of people that are known or um, demonstrated real faith in God. And so the people that we're going to focus on, and I want to focus particularly on um, verse, uh, the first that talks about Jacob, um, and we're going to think about how Jacob in his life demonstrated um, that he had faith. It was on and then it's gone again. Um, yeah, never mind. And I want to particularly focus on the beginning of Hebrews chapter uh, 11 as well, because what I want to do is just to see how, how is this writer defining faith, and we'll look at that in Hebrews, and then we'll go back to Genesis 48 and say, actually, is it right to actually use Jacob as an example? What evidence do we have of Jacob's life that demonstrates that faith? And this isn't working either. Um, so let's Go on to the second slide. If it takes it that long to do each one, we might be giving up on the slides. Oh. Shall we give up on the slides and I just go? I think we will. If you have... If you have a Bible, it would be really helpful now. If, oh no, here we go again. Read it quickly because it might go. Um, at the beginning of chapter 11 in Hebrews, there's a definition really of faith for us. And it says this, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And for me, that sort of, we could break that down. Can we go on to the next one? I will try. Let's forget the slides. Um, It could be broken down into two, and two bits of of that, that verse. And I think the first bit is the confidence in what we hope for. Confidence in what we hope for. And that's really about the future. This doesn't work either. Um, I don't know whether you can go on to the next one. No, that's not the next one. Oh, it does work. It does work. Now it's doing everything. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's let's try and get back to a bit of normality. Um, So, the first verse in Hebrews gives us a definition of what faith is. And I think we can break that down into two bits. The first bit is the confidence in what we hope for, which is about what we anticipate for the future. As Roger said, I don't understand this, but I trust that God will be with me throughout this time. 
Uh, we read in chapter 11 about Abraham. He went on a journey with God, but he didn't know where he was going. But he trusted that God was taking him on that journey. But the second bit of that is assurance of things we do not see. So faith is about what's going to happen in the future, but it's also about what's happening now. And comfort, our confidence in God in working in our lives now, even though we, don't, or we aren't able to see God, but we see God's actions in our lives and in those around us. And later on in chapter 11 we see, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So, breaking those, that first verse down into those two bits, the confidence in what we hope for, and the assurance of God working in our lives now, can we recognise those two things in Jacob's life? And that's what I want us to do. So that's why we're going to now turn to Genesis 48. This is a picture by Rembrandt uh, of the account that we just read in Genesis 48. Have a look at it and and just have a think. Is it actually very accurate? Well, it's not very accurate in the sense of the clothes that they're wearing, I don't think. But it's also not very accurate in the sense of where Jacob's hands are. Do you remember, um, as Joe read it, what Jacob did was he crossed his hands over and blessed first the youngest of the two boys. Some people think that the two boys were much older than it is in the painting here. Some people think they were around about 20 or 21 But Jacob crossed his arms. Isn't that really interesting? If you know the story of Jacob, when Jacob was born second, his mother had had a vision, uh, some words by God, to say that Jacob was going to be the most important one. And you know the story, you might know the story. If you don't, then it's really worth reading. So we've got uh, um, Jacob there, not crossing his arms. We've also got Joseph at the back there, who looks quite pleased. And some people say that's not really a very true reflection either way because actually when you read that, um, Joseph has almost a bit of an argument with Jacob. No, Jacob, you're doing this wrong. You've got the wrong hand on the wrong head. And uh, some people say, I don't think he would have looked so... so, I don't think he would have worn that hat either. Um, I don't think he would have looked like that. And the other person there is the mother who we don't actually hear about in the account which is really interesting as well. So that picture isn't very accurate in one sense, but it gives us a sense of uh, what people thought about this story. Now I want to focus particularly on the prayer that Jacob said. Um, And actually, if you want to, in in the Bible, it's uh, somewhere halfway down um, the chapter of um, of 11, and I can't find it now because I'm looking at... um, it without being out in a different version. But this is the prayer that Jacob said. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, so Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully towards God, all my, uh, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called 
by my name and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac and may they increase greatly on the earth. And if you picked up from when Joe read that passage, Jacob is called Jacob sometimes and Israel at different times. Now Jacob is one of the the three that we call the patriarchs of the Old Testament. They are actually the the line of of God's people, God's chosen people. Um, And this is Jacob's prayer with these two of his grandsons. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to break that down into three bits to see whether or not we can find some evidence that Jacob had the assurance of things we do not see. That he had a sense of God working in his life. And I think that prayer gives us those, um, some of those. Because Jacob says, May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully. Jacob had the whole history of his family to recognise that God was working through them through them and with them. But it wasn't an easy thing. I mean, the whole story is quite complicated. And if you start to look at Genesis, it's, there's quite a lot to get your head around. The fact that Jacob blessed two of his grandsons to become, as it were, tribes of Israel makes it slightly difficult because we might jump then to 13 tribes and we know that the Bible only talks about 12. Well, some people will take that Joseph then stood back and actually Levi's tribe were never actually given any land and therefore they became much more um, working in the temple and supporting uh, supporting others. So they think that actually it was 12. You can go back to the Jacob's um, uh, life and, and you think about all those things about what happened to, to him with Esau and the complexity about around that, which is really interesting because Jacob did something that was a bit conniving, or his, uh, and actually his mother did, but actually it was part of God's will. It's how God wanted to work in, in, uh, uh, in engaging what was happening on here. So I think that Jacob could see from his family how God had been working. And actually, fact, he says that because he talks about God being the shepherd all my life to this day. So not only did he see God working in others, he saw God working in his own life. He saw the evidence of how God was shepherding him throughout his own life. And then, the third thing I think we can point, point to is this thing about the angel in Jacob's prayer. The angel who has delivered me from harm. Now, there are three occasions in the Old Testament where uh, Jacob sees an angel. The three of them there, one at Bethel, one at Padan Aram, and one at Peniel. And each time, God presents himself as an angel. And each time, Jacob has this real sense of God interjecting in his life and helping him in the next step of what he was to do. So this is the blessing that he's given to these grandchildren. He's saying, you know, God, the God who who worked, who lived with my my father and grandfather, the God who actually um, I see as my own personal shepherd, the God who I've seen actually get right stuck into my life because he's presented himself as an angel to me, three times. That God, that God will give you the assurance 
of the things that you might not always see. And I suppose for us, the big question for me is this. Do we recognise God working in our lives? Do we actually think about what God has done? Um, the other day, and I don't know whether I've said this, and some people might just say it's a bit of a coincidence. When Joe and I were working on that church leaflet, we were trying to do it by pinging emails to each other and phone calls, etc., and we were getting to the point where we needed to get it finally ready because it was going to go off to the printers. And uh, I remember pinging Joe something in the morning and then I thought, oh, I, I could almost do with explaining this to him. And I was actually in a meeting in Birmingham and um, <coughs> I thought, when I get home, I'll have to give him a ring. So uh, I got to Birmingham. I didn't know when I was going to get to Birmingham. It just it so happened when the conference shut a bit earlier, closed a bit earlier, so I got, off, got onto a train and um, I think, Joe, you'd actually got onto a train that you don't normally get on on that day. So Joe had got on a train that he didn't normally get on because Joe works in Birmingham. And as I got onto the train, I thought, oh, I've got so much to do, but I must ring Joe, I must ring Joe. And as I got onto the tra- train, there was Joe sitting on the train. And I sat down because there was even a spare seat. And actually we were sitting at a table, which is a bit of a miracle as well, on the train. So I sat down to Joe, who didn't realise I was there until suddenly he turned around and went, oh! <laughs> Now, Birmingham New Street is a really, really busy place. My conference had finished early. Joe had got on a train that he didn't normally get on. Is that just coincidence? I don't think so. Because actually on the train back from Birmingham to um, Stafford, we had a really good talk about things and we got it all sorted. Now, if that's God, and that's quite a mundane thing in some ways, but if God is interceding, making things happen like that, how much more is he doing with the rest of my life? And I don't think we talk about that enough. You know? I don't think we talk about that enough. Because actually that's really encouraging, isn't it? When you hear from each other about how you feel God has somehow made something happen. And it just doesn't feel like coincidence. It really feels like God has actually intervened in our lives. I think that's Jacob's experience. And I think actually God does that for every one of us. Sometimes we just don't recognise it. Or we're almost slightly frightened to say, actually, I think that was God that did that. Because actually when we say that, we have a response to give, don't we? So I remember after that train journey, I prayed to God and said, thank you very much, because that's, that, I just couldn't believe that that would happen. You know, and I told somebody else about it. So our response to things like that actually helps as well. Do we recognise how God is working in our lives day by day? And I, I really encourage you to have a think about that. I really encourage you to think actually, you know what? That's not just a coincidence. That's God working in my life. That conversation with that nurse that Roger had, I don't think that was a coincidence. I think that was God working to make sure that, that, that Roger had that opportunity to share his story with that nurse. So that's the assurance of things that we do not see. The assurance of God working in our lives uh, day by day. 
And then the other bit that uh, uh, Abraham prayed for, and the other bit that we've got, in, not prayed for, sorry, the other bit that we've got in Hebrews chapter 11 is the confidence in what we hope for. So the confidence of something to come. Like Roger said, I trust in God that he will be with me throughout this and that one day I will be with him. The confidence in what we hope for. And I think those are three good, really good examples in, in uh, Genesis chapter 48 of that very thing. And in verse 19 we can read, but his father refused and said, I know my son, I know. He too, this is Jacob saying to Joseph, you know, Joseph said, oh, hold on a minute, you got the wrong hand on the wrong child. But his father, that's Jacob, refused and said, I know my son, I know. He too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his descendants will become a group of nations. Now that was something that was going to happen in the future. And actually when you start to read the story uh, in, the, in the Bible, you realise that those two, these two grandsons that um, he was blessing ended up in the sort of northern territory as it was called and had one of the biggest areas in terms of land territory than many of the other tribes. So Jacob was saying, actually, you know, in the future, this is going to happen. In the future, this is going to happen. There's another example uh, about the confidence in what we hope for. Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will, will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. Then Israel said to Joseph, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to the land of your fathers. What did Roger say? I trust that God will be with me throughout this time. And the third example that I think we could pick up, there's probably many more. Um, Jacob then goes on and he blessed them that day and said, in your name will Israel pronounce this blessing. May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So in other words, what Jacob is saying, now in the future people will say, you know, God bless you and God make you um, um, just like he made Ephraim and Manasseh and, 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 and guided Ephraim and Manasseh. And, and Manasseh. Again, something that will happen in the future. So I think the next big question that I think this makes me think about is this. What are you confident about God doing in your life? Now, I think we probably, if we're a Christian, we probably always say, well, actually, God's going to take me and be with him. But actually, that, and that's really, really true, and that's really, really great. But it doesn't help me on Monday morning sometimes. Because actually, what I want is, I want to feel what God's going to do with me in these next few weeks. And sometimes I think we can think about the promises of God in a sense of what happens at the end. But the Bible is full of promises of what Jesus and the Holy Spirit will do for us now. And tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. And what do you hope that God will do? 
And actually this hope is about confidence. It's not just about, oh, well, I hope it might happen, but then again it might not. This is confidence in saying, actually, not only do I hope this will happen, but I, I know that it will happen. I'm that confident that God will do this, that Jesus will do this, that his Holy Spirit will do this. And my question to myself, and my question to you this morning, is what do you think God, what do you hope that God will do this week in your life? What do you hope that God will do with you this week? And I have to say that you need to know, we need to know our Bibles very much to know that, because it's full of all of those promises. And sometimes it's really good to reflect on those promises and and just keep reading them again and again and again. And then actually it's it's a bit of a circle, this, because if we do that, if we have a confident hope that God will work in our lives, and we're really thinking about that, we're really praying for it, then I think we start to begin to notice much more God working in our lives. And we come back to that assurance that even though we can't see God, we know that he's active, we know that he's doing things. So when someone out there might turn up and say, actually, well, what, what, what difference does your faith make? You know, why, why do you think all of those things? We could say, well actually I say those things because I know that God is good and he's in heaven and one day I'm going to be with him. And of course that's part of the answer. But if you were to say to that person, and I know that this week, this is what I'm confident God will do in my life. That it really makes us actually think really differently, I think. Um, It does make a difference. Because we're looking out, we're talking to God about it all the time. We're looking to see what he is doing and how he is fulfilling the promises that he gave to us that are talked about in this Bible. And finally, I just wanted to say this. Often we talk about, I want my faith to grow. And I think faith grows, should grow, all the time. Um, Just because I'm getting a bit old now doesn't mean to say that my faith should plateau my faith should grow and grow and grow, shouldn't it? Um, and actually, if our faith is to grow, I was thinking about this, well, how does your faith grow? How does my faith in Christ, in Jesus, grow? I think we probably answered that by the things that we've just looked at. My faith grows when I recognise God working in my life. Because not only does it reassure me, It motivates me. It gives me that real sense that God is real. And my faith grows when I become even more confident that God is going to do something in my life this week. And in doing those two things that we read about in Hebrews, our faith in God will grow. And it's the really hard thing to talk about with other people, isn't it? When, you, when you're talking with people um, who don't have that personal faith in Jesus, um, it's really hard to make people... Because people just think you're mad. Um, I was talking to somebody else the other day about my Christian faith, and I'm sure that they just thought I was mad. Um, I think they thought I was mad before I had that conversation. I think that just sort of proved it for them. But actually, we know what it's like when we live it out. Let's pray, shall we?
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of Jacob and the life that he led that meant he had that assurance that you were working in his life as a shepherd, guiding him, looking after him, correcting him, giving him a sense that you were always there with him. And we thank you that Jacob, through his life, had the confidence and hope that you would continue to work in the life of his grandchildren. And we pray for ourselves, Lord. We pray that we may recognise the things that you are doing with us. The things that you will do with us this week. And we pray that we may thank you when we realise that it's you that's working. And we pray, Lord, that we may have that confident hope that not only one day will we be with you, but in these weeks to come, you will be with us when we're making those decisions, when we feel really low, when good things happen, when things happen that change our path or our course, help us to recognise that that's you and give you thanks. Amen.